1: And back for another week of the fifth and last NRL podcast, Boxhead, we are now a third of the way through the season.
0: Yeah, we are. The time seems to have flown a little bit, but I guess that's where we where we find ourselves. And yeah, some things I think became a little bit clearer on the weekend.
1: And as a lot of people have said, uh, for yeah. the first four rounds, looked like it was going to be a bit of a closer competition as things have emerged and we move Further in, two teams stand out above the rest. There's some guys behind that have uh, hit some hurdles. There's some that were waiting to blow out the cobwebs, and there's a couple on the bottom who are a bit more competitive between themselves, I guess, this year, but a very Mm. clear-cut two. We're on the doorstep of Magic Round. We're only two weeks away from that huge event and only four weeks, I think, away from the origin selection. So Mm. time is certainly going. Um, But, yeah, so far, two stand above all the rest. But this show, as always, brought to you by BlueBet.com.au. Thanks for their support from our charity account. If you're going to have a bet, do it with the true Blue Bookie. There is no one better. Visit the website, www.BlueBet.com.au, or download the app today from the Google or Play Store and Penrith Solar Centre. Jake and the crew there, there's no one better to help you get your system and put some money back in your back pocket. Contact them today, 820-2930, or visit the website, Um set of six, six tackles, topics, opinions, anything we want to talk about to kick us off for this week. And a lot happened after we wrapped things up last week in terms of the Bulldogs. But after a drama-filled week, I guess the best possible result was the win they got. Um, But around that subject, touched on it in the pre-season, that when Gus becomes involved, things, uh, you know, can certainly get interesting. And there was pressure on Barrett after a poor year last year and coming to this year they made some signings and things obviously haven't started off the greatest so for the news to come out that did come out um, and then the result to follow hopefully that quietens things down a little bit but I'll probably go back to a point I made at the start of the year that I hope that Gus is a little bit more invisible but he's certainly reared his head up and he's said a fair bit the last few weeks and is bringing a lot of attention to the Bulldogs in himself.
0: Yeah, it's a tough one because <clears throat> a lot of the media hate Gus and a lot of the media peddle certain stories. Then you hear from Gus and it's the complete opposite. So, I I don't really know. I, I I respect him as a coach, as an operator. Like he he does a great job. Some of his commentary I disagree with, but all in all, I. Yeah, what what do you make of it? I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what him, I don't know what he did last week. I don't know what, where the truth lays because. You know, we weren't there. We weren't in the video session. We don't know what was said. You know, did Barrett invite him in? Is Barrett just saying that to cover his ass? Like, who knows? That you're never really going to get to the bottom of what the truth is. What really needs to, um, what's really going to decide, you know, where this all goes, is whether the Bulldogs can maintain playing that sort of footy. Because, and then it will look good for Trent Barrett if it's just a one fleeting moment. Obviously, it'll get drawn back to the fact that you know Gus came. the week Gus came in, they played well and then they fell off a cliff again, and they went back to how they were playing. That won't bode well for Trent Barrett. So I think we need to see how the season plays out. The Roosters weren't great either. Let's not let's not make nah. out that they've beaten some sort of juggernaut, because I'm they've beaten the out, Roosters either. who were... No, I'm not saying you are, but... Nah. You know, I was made out to be probably a little bit bigger of a win than what it was, mm-hmm. because the Roosters are struggling. They're playing awful footy at the moment, and, you know, it was great for the Bulldogs to win. I was really happy for the Bulldogs fans, happy for the club. But... I yeah, I think it just probably sums up where the Roosters are at at the moment and where particularly their attacks are. But going back to your original point, yeah, the, the, for whatever reason, Gus polarizes people. I can, I sort of land in the middle with him. I think he's a fantastic intellect. I, I think he's got a lot of good things to say. Some things I, I think he, you know, he's way off on, you know, like the spear tackle. I think we're going to get to that at yeah, some point. Yeah, that's one of our points. Um. Yeah, but I I certainly respect him as a coach. Like his record as a coach is phenomenal. So what Trent Barrett said is spot on. Like if to not use him would be imbecilic.
1: Yeah, that's fair enough.
0: I know. Um, I know in my time coaching, you know, with the twenties, he was a very strong mentor for Cameron Serrato. Uh, he he didn't have much involvement at all from a coaching perspective. You know that I saw at Penrith, and I was there. You know, we used to train. Uh. Sort of parallel to the New South Wales Cup, Gus would watch, but he he wouldn't do any coaching, and that was, you know, across a two year period. So, you know, this whole thing about well, wherever he goes, he coaches. I don't I don't think that's completely true.
1: No, I think my main point here is it's also hypocritical of him though to point the finger at the media because he's in the media. He's just as good no, at no, using no, what I didn't say. That. No, that's not what I said. But I'm saying he's hypocritical to point the finger at the media because he does as many divisive things or manipulative things through his role, which he has a huge role. And Channel Nine. Yeah, I find it. But, I find it. I find it
0: difficult to understand how he maintains. You know his role as as like you say a media commentator. Yeah,
1: but then to some and of the then to also be like, oh, working
0: know, within the inner sanctum of a club.
1: Some sections of the media or this that and the other. I'm like, mate, you bring half this on yourself. My main point here is, I'm glad they got the result. I'm glad a little bit come off the players and Trent Barrett, but in terms of where it led and what were like, if they would have lost and had the week they had and. He's, you know, talking about all this, oh, they're, they're the ones who find these agendas. this, He sort of brought attention straight away to them with the Kyle Flanagan stuff and that whole story. Mm. And then the, what came out this week, again, where the truth lies in between, I think it's a little bit here, there, and all both ways, but I definitely don't buy fully on his side of things that it was all just a spur-of-the-moment thing and he was brought in for a little bit stats and then he chucked in the whistle like it was some sort of, you know, that's not exactly how NRL clubs work. I'm not buying that for a second, but... I'm glad they got the win. And I hope at this point, a bit like I said in the off season, that I hope he stays invisible. Because when he started to pop up at Penrith and there's a little bit more and he talks in the media and he brings more attention to him, you just put more pressure on the coach in a playing group that's already under enough pressure. I think the best thing, again, and he's got all these outlets for Gus right now, is to stop talking about the Bulldogs, to stop putting himself in these situations. I thought the situation the other week, again, also sort of sounded undermining in terms of Trent Barrow. It's like, well, it's not his decision at the halfback. That was me. I did this, that, and the other. I just think for him, the best thing to do is to stop putting them in the headlines. He's half the reason this stuff is a story the last few weeks. So he can't point the finger and go, some section of the media, no, you're bringing half of this yeah, to like, said it three times. Just now. stop. Yeah. yeah. But there is a positive. It was a good win. That hard week with COVID, they lost Jackson, a couple of, uh, you know, things to come out of this game, and then they head into a decent run after playing essentially last year's top six and some good sides, so... Yeah, how that plays they're out. Not,
0: they're not going to go on a run. They're not good. I'm enough not saying they're run. going on a run, but they're certainly
1: a, got an easier draw. There's yeah, there's a real good opportunity here after a tough period. Yeah. If they can stabilise, I think they've got the Raiders Dragons Tigers etc. So, hopefully, less noise, less headlines, and they can start to play some better footy the next few weeks with a better draw after a tough start. Oh, so um, yeah, tackle two. Uh, the Raiders in Newcastle really hit rock bottom for the Raiders again to blow another lead and have the game play out the way it is after another fantastic start. Um, Ricky's cleared the decks this week and he's made some changes. Um, losing is obviously a big thing, but he's brought Jared Croker back in and had a bit of a reshuffle there. And Newcastle today, Adam O'Brien got on the front mm. foot, called a press conference that wasn't scheduled to talk about the changes in the reshuffle he's made for his team. And they've now lost six in a row after starting 2-0. and oh. He hooked his half. Their other half they recruited. Kloon's got a couple of injuries. He's not in the team this week. I, I'm i absolutely flabbergasted as to where Newcastle go with their situation. Canberra, I think Canberra's our own worst enemy. Canberra's had good halves, and like we said, almost every week, play 30 or 40 good minutes of football. But the way they just capitulate the ill-discipline and where their games can go just astounds me sometimes. And I think they're their biggest enemy. Is it fixable? Yes. Is it going to be in time mm. uh, enough time to sort things around for the final I don't know. I know it's still early doors, but it's really looking like last year again, where they started poor. They might have some wins or some runs that give you a little bit of false hope, but I think they're just creating, you know, a rod for their own back again this season. But the Newcastle situation, the way that's just gone down the toilet, and in particular with effort and energy that they had the first couple of rounds to looking like they have absolutely zero now, I don't know. But you've extended O'Brien already after those two years, so I highly doubt they're going to jump off that bandwagon. I think he's got 23, 24 under his belt. Ricky and the Raiders thing we talked about, they're not really a club to just, you know, fire a gun and it's a unique situation. It's not one of these clubs that has coaching changes or it's not a place that everyone, I think, can go do a job. But uh, what do you make of the Raiders on Newcastle?
0: Well, they're both short on troops. <clears throat> let's let's get that straight. They're missing key personnel. Newcastle, the thing that worries me about Newcastle is they're they're having to learn in first grade. They've got a lot of young guys learning in first grade and it's a you know you saw that on the weekend defensively they've just got no resolve and from a technique perspective they're getting a lot of things wrong with their technique structurally they're poor uh, and I just don't think they have a quality roster to be to be completely honest with you that's sort of where I'm at on on Newcastle on Canberra okay and, well to go back I, I remember saying after round two let's not get too carried away with Newcastle because it's two rounds. You know, everyone was sort of jumping up and down going, oh, you know, look at look at Newcastle. Everyone sort of tipped him to slide. Well, now we're a third of the way through and everyone's sort of wanting to, you know, wanting there to be pressure on um, O'Brien. So I, I sort of, again, I land somewhere in the middle. I, I think when it's, it's worse, it's not really... When it looks, it's worse um, and it looks its best. You sort of got to try and land somewhere in the middle and, you know, level yourself out. And I think... You know, O'Brien's doing a doing a good job there, trying to manage that. Uh but, you know, losing they're missing Braley. Something chronic, just in the middle of the field. Someone, you know, who handles the ball, who's mature, who's a good defender, who's a cool head, who's a good leader. Like I think they're they're missing him big time. Canberra again, like they're missing their nine and seven, but we know that. Again, I just I just don't know whether they've got the personnel there to put them in a position to win, you know, NRL games consistently. I think that's probably where they find themselves. So, like, like, do you watch Canberra and think that they should be should be going better than what they are, or do you watch Canberra th- thinking, you know, they're short on some positions? They're certainly short a driver. Like, they're short, they're short of someone just being able to steer them around the field, like I've just said about Newcastle. They're both missing someone in a key position that can end their sets well, that can be mature, that can manage the game, that can be patient. Um, and and that's, look, that's vital. You can't under, underestimate how vital that is. And when you take Hodgson and Fogarty out, you're also you know, sort of asking, I don't know whether they are asking Jack and to adapt his game. I think there's got to be some part of, part of Jack Whiten that's got to then... You know, some of that responsibility's got to fall back on his shoulders. It can't just always fall back on yeah, well, you know, whoever else gets bored into the it, team. It's, it's so but new... there's also needs to be an adaptability process to that. You're not just gonna click your fingers and go, Hey Jack, you need to be an organizer, you need to be a kicker, you need to be a game manager because he's he was never put into that position to do that. So that there, there's gonna take some time in order to adjust. I think the biggest one for Canberra is their kicking game. Their end of sets, you know, where they finish their sets, how they kick, is having a huge impact on on their game, on their field position. I think there's a few middles there that are going really well, like Topine's going well. Uh, Some of the other guys have been underwhelming. Papali, you know, has has been a little bit underwhelming. Their discipline is of concern, both in terms of their errors and just penalties that they give away. So I think, think if they can become more disciplined and then find some direction, or manufacture some direction, and have everyone sort of take some ownership over the direction. I think they'll be a far more competitive team. But it's it's a it's a really difficult situation for for both those teams at the moment until they sort of get some personnel back. And
1: well, I think in both situations, though, I'd still expect better, particularly with the veterans. Like you look at mm. Newcastle. I know gag guys out, and they, but Newcastle they, aren't even competing. Canberra competing. They got rid of Pierce, so that's self inflicted. Bradley, they didn't plan for. Yep, I get that. But when you've still got. That's what we highlighted in the preview. Like, missing Pierce is going to be huge. They didn't plan on it. But yeah, when you've got Clifford, who was starting to get better playing with a guy like Pierce, with a guy like Clune, who again is older but hasn't played enough first grade, Randall, who's taken over full time nine duties. And as much as I'm not a huge fan of, you know, Ponga's behaviour, play, and a lot of things in the last couple of years, it's pretty hard to have an impact when three guys around you really can't provide a whole lot for you. But. I still look when you've got Frizzell, Klamar, Safidi, etc. in your side, and then on the flip side of that, Canberra. Canberra's got plenty of guys there. I'd expect them to do better in games where they're only playing for 30 or 40 minutes or getting the leads, and then it's completely capitulating to Pine, Papali, Elliot, Whitehead, Hudson Young is a good young player. They've got some good young outside backs. Chance is their grand final hero, If they hung their hat on, he's not playing as good. I think there's just a lot of guys who have got to have yeah, a good... but again,
0: I think we're probably judging them on their best form. I get that. They're not in their best form, but and they're, they're... Still expect... What is their form... Their form, their exposed form, tells you they didn't make the eight last year. Mm. Okay, they they struggled um, the year before that. They made the well, okay, they, they made, made the they pre- made a run at the grand yeah, but they they sort of never really hit their. They
1: had an issue. Their straps
0: that year. They made the, obviously the grand final the year before that, but like on exposed form, they are inconsistent. They're not a genuine top four consistent, you know, south roosters. Penrith Melbourne type team. Right?
1: No, I don't think to that extent. Mm.
0: So I think they're, what they're, what they're showing you at the moment is that they're inconsistent and they're ill-disciplined, and that's why their results fluctuate and their finishing position fluctuates so much. Like, I think cool. Charles nicoll that played one good year. Other than that, really, he struggled. So I don't. I don't I, you can't just keep judging him on what he did for that one year. You've got to judge him on what he's done the last three since then, which has been pretty average. That's that's me being honest. I, like you got to look at exposed form.
1: Well, I'm the one who wanted to pay him for Savage, and he's already got Savage back out of his side. I think hmm. you know he probably did overachieve, but I'm still saying in general they've been. I'm not saying all- he's not a good player. No, but but I'm saying, I'm for saying Canberra. look
0: at look at look at what they're doing now, not what not what you think they can do, or not what they did in previous years. What are they doing now? Well, Canberra are leading and then losing.
1: I think a lot of Canberra's issues are self-inflicted. So oh, I, don't think, I don't think talent's an issue. I think discipline, focus. And controls an issue. The Newcastle thing's completely flipped on its head, which, like I said, after the two games, I was more probably surprised by the way they play, Which you know, effort and energy and intent—that's all well and good, but does it last for a whole season? But a couple of injuries, a couple little bit of things going wrong, and they've just completely folded up and starting to get absolutely lapped every single week.
0: Mm.
1: But for Canberra again, you get a lead and you lose. They don't score a second half point. Discipline, 18 errors or so, just completely throw it out the window and lose to a team that completed at 55% or something like that. It's ridiculous. Yeah. you got to expect better. The Newcastle side of things, I'm just more blown away, like I said, because generally the free things are what keep you in games, and they seemed the first few rounds to look like they were going to have one of those years where they probably don't make the eight, but you're at least going to get those free things. And when everyone's on the field, they might get a win here or there. But how quickly it's gone backwards and to lose six in a row and be in the situation they are, I think it's brutally obvious right now that the piercing thing, regardless of how it played out, was a mistake. Mm-hmm. The Braley thing, obviously, you can't plan for. And on the camera side of things, I know a lot of people keep saying, well, you're missing Fogarty, you're missing Hodgson, You know that that hurts. I've said it before. They tried to offload Hodgson before Starling got in trouble. So clearly they don't have that high of opinion of Josh Hodgson anymore. So I understand he's not playing, but they were literally trying to push him out the door before Starling ended up with a charge. The other side of things, Fogarty, I like Fogarty. Is he a good half? Yes. Is he an elite half? No. I think Snyder's doing a reasonable job. Or do I think he adds a whole lot more than what Snyder does? I think he, he's obviously got a bit more experience in your control thing, a little bit better, but I don't think he's this elite top four half that would just flip them things on their head suddenly make this you know, game-breaking difference for the Raiders. I think there's a lot more going on let's, that they need to look on. at. But
0: <clears> hopefully... Going around in circles... Hopefully. And I, I don't think in the short term it's going to change.
1: No. Well, hopefully there's some positivity um, and a bit better results because Canberra fans just tortured in terms of leading and blowing leads and things just going out the window. on Newcastle would just be wondering after the last two weeks what the fuck's happened because they're just getting towered up. They haven't scored a try in two weeks. Um, tackle three, the one that I was surprised people were even arguing about and particularly in the context, if you don't think the Lawton tackle is a send-off, I don't know what possible outcome you can want anymore. I've heard people go, "Well, he didn't get injured, and you know it ruined the game, and what about the other team, etc." It's like, well, if you commit, you know, a, a foul act. So, are we saying that if Jared Re Hargraves stiff arms someone and knocked them cold out, that we can't harm the overall result of the game with seven minutes to go because of a sin bin? Like that foul play leads to that act, and then going, "Well, there's no injury." Well, I'm sorry the position that he was put in and the possible outcome of that injury we are saying that, you know, just because he didn't get injured it doesn't deserve a send-off. That tackle yeah, was ridiculous. something they were trying to stamp out 20, 30 years ago, let alone now. And we had the situation that don't want to go into depth about again with the whole Alex McKinnon one where it was sort of not even really like a spear. It was a leaning sort of forward. He didn't quite get over and he sort of touched his it. head like, it's an awful situation. But if we're looking at that and the result. That's
0: more just. That's did you put him in a dangerous position? Hundred percent. Did you draw? Did you have control? Did you lose control? He had no control. Tick jump. Tick.
1: tick. He jumped, and the whole like oh he's a claim. But do I think
0: it was deliberate? No, no, I don't think it's deliberate. But when you make those tackles and you put yourself in
1: that position, doesn't matter. You suffer the consequences, and it was a highly dangerous tackle. So there's zero tolerance to get somebody up, and you watch the whole thing again and go through it, just like you said. Hits in behind the legs. Yes, Murray's twisting, turning, fighting this, that, and the other, but didn't have control. The
0: players do that in every
1: time. Yeah, he that's lifts, nuts. and then not only does he lose control of the lift, he then jumps. As soon as you jump and lose your feet, it is just an absolute flip of the coin where things are going to end up. Yeah. And after he jumps, like you said, he drives. It's the worst possible action you could have taken. There's no other outcome. It doesn't matter if the player doesn't get injured. That's a stupid argument. I agree, I
0: agree with the... Like some people sort of saying he landed on his shoulder... And I like I agree with that, but I just I I don't see how that's an argument. It's, not it's like well argument. he landed on his,
1: on his shoulder, assumed. but he
0: got he got put in a position where.
1: Well, players. I half think the it time was of, I
0: think it was actually probably Cam Murray's yeah, reaction
1: to the situation,
0: sort of movement that put him in that position and made sure that he didn't land on his head. Yeah, it's just it was a horrible tackle. All this bullshit about well it ruined the game and well don't don't, don't make the tackle. The act. Yeah, but I thought the the commentary from. Gould and Fittler on that, and I saw some of the comments because I don't, I don't watch it on nine. But, uh, yeah, I thought it was um, it was actually irresponsible. It's it's irresponsible yeah. for them to be saying that and have people listening to that. And it, it brings just more pressure on the NRL, more pressure on referees. I, I think you could frame that as a spear tackle, as a dangerous tackle that's a send-off. And, like, every, every tackle like that should be a send-off.
1: Yeah. Um You
0: know, you know, okay, do you wanna to move to a system where if a player gets sent off you can replace him? Like I that, No. We've I fucked don't, with I enough. I don't know rules. how I don't no, no, I'm just saying the fact that they were like, Well, it's ruined the game, like well, what like what do you want to, what you want to do? Like what the- do you want to
1: do? What do you what, I that's like okay. saying, "All right, I can't,
0: maybe okay." So maybe you roll one of your benches on, and you play with one short on the bench. A king hit
1: somebody. All right, that's a foul. That's out. different though, because well, it's, it's, in, it's not intent. different because it's still a foul. No, out. there's not well, intent or not. There's not. Yeah, but we, were to different. Ga- we tried to gauge this off it's intent different. and no injury. No,
0: well, I don't think you, you can. They're no, different. They're not the same. You can't compare them. Stop comparing. Any foul it doesn't matter. Out. It's a send off. Exactly. A king hit is a send off, but a king hit would be a significant, harsher, significantly harsher penalty at the judiciary. So, the, I'm I'm just more trying to address the point that people were saying that you know it ruined the game and well, you know how course. do you alleviate well it's like that that's been the game for hundred years that's point. our game that's our game.
1: So when I heard somebody bring up oh well Super Rugby have a yellow, a red and a red twenty well who, which is fucking Super Rugby and then there's I a don't. full send off. I'm like well exactly we're not fucking Super Rugby are we? So with all the changes and again I know it probably doesn't really complicate things for the refs so much in that regard. But of all the things that we've changed in the game or the fabric of the game we talk about these things it's been around forever if you get to a level where you've committed an act that could lead to a catastrophic result that results in a send off and we always talk about player safety and we go in that direction which is more to the point that you are saying when you hear a couple of these people say things like that when all we're all about is player safety the last few years it is irresponsible
0: but we're not all about player safety they they say that and then they get exposed for you know having an agenda when they say stupid shit like that Yeah, so. that's not smart
1: I don't know it's to, not responsible everyone else's feelings but I was surprised to hear a mixed bag but I don't really care about anyone else's no, no, feelings like, you got your own opinion it's a you're, talking you're point to that's what we're here opinion. talking for yeah. hence why we're talking yeah.
0: but, but I'm certainly not going to be manipulated no, by anyone else well, we have opinion. to
1: talk about some stuff yeah. and this is one that popped up I'm There's, not
0: saying not, not to talk about it what I'm saying is
1: I, who cares what anyone else says? I get that but it was divisive yeah. over the weekend which really surprised me which is why I'm talking about it because when I heard people going oh it ruined the game or it wasn't that bad I'm like well I don't know what what just because the outcome was not bad, you look at that tackle and tell me that's not yeah, a bad you've tackle. have been over that. It's a bad been tackle. Oh, dear Lord. Uh, signing news for Tackle 4, and there's been a little bit this week, but in particular, plenty of activity at the Warriors. The Warriors picked up Dejan Arcee from the Cowboys, a young Kiwi who apparently grew up supporting the Warriors, so a pretty unique situation for him. goes there for the rest of the year and then has uh, a hell of a week He went back from the Ash Taylor situation. I think he was named. He pulled out there saying he might have to retire now due to a hip injury. Has one training session, goes in and has a very big impact on the gap. Set up a couple of tries, played quite well. They've also made another decision around their halves. Arcee gets the rest of the year to play out and try and solidify his position, which I think might be a move with Harris DeVita off contract and looking At his options, they've signed Ronald Volkman, who we've both seen a little bit of from the Roosters for the next three years. Okay. So I think maybe some long-term planning around the situation where Johnson, I think, signed for two years. Uh, Harris Tevita, possibly not at the club as of end of the season. Cody Nicorima, possibly not at the club as of end of season. And the Ash Taylor experiment looks like it's going to end with him retiring after those chronic hip issues uh, look like they're going to lead to him having to retire. So not great. Um, for Ash Taylor, but some moves there for the Warriors. I think Arcee showed some flashes of of brilliance in the few opportunities he has got the last couple of years. He's still plenty young, and if he is a a native and a a big fan, it's a great opportunity to go back and finish the rest of the season off. In terms of Volkman, I've had a lot of people ask questions. Seen him at the 18s level, was very impressed. Haven't seen a lot of him at flag and cup, but the Roosters certainly must have some opinion of him. They've had him in the NRL trials the last couple of years. Um, he's been a half up at New South Wales Cup level while he's still been eligible to be playing down uh, at Flag and 20s level the last couple of seasons as well. But I also had some messages going, well, why are we letting him go? Well, we have people in the pipeline. It's like, well, like a lot of clubs, when you have the position of power, you've got Walker, who's young. You've got Kiri who's signed up long-term still. They've obviously got Lamb. They've got Hutchison, a couple of guys that could obviously move on. But around them right now, I think the 18s half was one of their better players. I think it's Ethan Strange. Sin and Smith come through their Central Coast feeder system. They've got him already up playing cup. He's only 18, 19 years old. So when you've got five or six guys in a club, pops up and tries to get you on their books, it's a bit of a no-brainer sometimes when the pathways blocked. So that's the main reason he's leaving. But um, could he turn into a quality seven long-term? I think he can. Um, It's obviously going to be a different situation at the Warriors to what it is at the Roosters, but um, they've clearly got some confidence in him. They've given him a three-year contract. The Dolphins had their hearts broken again by the looks of things. There was all the talk about the Reece Walsh situation and he wasn't going to leave Brisbane. He's come out today, squashed all of that, and his manager, and confirmed he will be moving to New Zealand now. So all the talk around that's now gone away. And there's another one for the Dolphins um, that's off the books. Mm-hmm. He's got next year and he's got an option for 24. So it's not to say he doesn't come back after next year, but he has said it was unfair On his teammates, the club, with all the talk and speculations, which he didn't know where it came from, he's confirmed that he is 100% moving to New Zealand when they go back. So I'm sure the Warriors would be very, very happy with that after the commitment they made. And Nathan Brown made the comment when asked, well, if the Dolphins rang, what would you do? He goes, I do not care. There's no way I'd entertain that situation anyway, which is fair enough. On the flip of that, they got themselves Tom Gilbert from the Cowboys on a one-year deal they've announced today a major sponsor, one of our sponsors, Bluebet, um, and they've said they've got more sponsors, more signings on board, a lot more than people know about, and they'll slowly start to roll out. Um, and they signed a young guy from the Steelers' 18 set So, again, setting up a lot for their future. They've got young Katoa coming from Penrith. I think it was John Bostock or something like that this year, a centre. And the last bit was Melbourne in the last week, confirming that Tarek Sims would be coming there uh, for a season next year. And that situation seems like this year it's on ice again. For now, maybe like Pungai Junior later in the year, if they don't have finals aspirations or they're missing out in the finals, and Melbourne's got enough cap space, then he might go early. And they've also signed the son of a former player, one I haven't seen, but I'm going to try and watch a little bit now, out of interest of our back row stocks for next year. Alex Chan's son, Joe Chan, who's a 21-year-old back row who plays at Catalan. Melbourne, have signed him for two years. There you go. Moving forward, so. Looks like uh, they've obviously put their faith in young health who signed a monster five-year extension. Trent arrows through their system. I think he's only 21, 22. Generally plays in the back row. You've got a veteran like Sims, who I would have assumed would be more used in a middle role in his later years. But if those kids struggle, there's an option. And they've got another young guy in Chan. So certainly going to be a different-looking back row next year for the Storm.
0: Absolutely.
1: But uh, that's just a little bit that happened around some contract stuff. Uh, tackle 5 we'll jump in with our power rankings and throw them in board with a set of six as well this week brought to you by Penrith Solar Centre there is no one better to help you save on your bills uh, power rankings Brock number one I've still got the Panthers yep number two still the Storm yep <clears throat> what about number three You got yep. any change Cowboys got the Cowboys jumping all the way up yep. uh, well I said I
0: wanted to see him better top four side and I believe I'm firmly in the belief Wagon now two reasons: a they've they've knocked someone off who I consider to be quality, and number two across eight weeks they got the best defensive record in the comp.
1: Yep, and you don't
0: fluke that shit.
1: Same reason I bumped them all out the number three after holding the last couple of weeks when they're in there. Uh, Number four, sharks. Yep, I left the sharks as well. It was a disappointing week. I thought they showed a lack of patience, a bit of lack of energy, and more disappointed with their defense, which is the biggest area they improved. I thought they took a few steps back, but Short turnaround. They've had a couple of changes, it seems, every single week. Um, We'll expect a lot better this week when they go back to the prison. Number five. Uh, Eels. Yep. Bad loss on the weekend. Uh, They've been decimated in the outside back stocks. I know there's been plenty of talk around that situation, uh, which I'll address in the next point, the last point, but we'll get to that. Number six. Rabbitohs. Rabbitoes. Yep. I've got the rabbitoes bumped up there as well. It's been... Hit and miss, uh, but, you know, they've had to deal with a new combination. Obviously, started the year as well without Latrell. Get Latrell in, Latrell goes back out. Getting that continuity and building things mm. up obviously been a bit harder than expected. Number seven.
0: Got no idea. I put... <laughs> I've got no idea.
1: I left the Roosters and Manly at seven and eight, but mainly because what's the under Roosters them... Have been horrible. There's a logjam there of teams that are all four and four at the moment, but I'm more basing it off whatever I think they're going to end up. Probably stick. Yeah, I
0: pr- I'll probably... Stick with Manly because they, you know, they played a man short, and then they're playing without Turbo. I think, you know, they've got some excuses for the way they've been playing. Number number
1: eight. I know the Dragons have been resilient the last few you can weeks. Stick there. the
0: Roosters there. You're sticking the Roosters there, trusting that they're going to be better later on. Yeah. Well, right now, like I'd love to play the Roosters right now if I'm one of those lower teams.
1: Yeah. Well, the Dragons got them. You got the Warriors. Not
0: really. I wouldn't want to be playing the Roosters post-Origin. No.
1: Nah. But Brisbane had a few disappointing weeks, so I'm not looking to bump them up after that win, even though it was a good win. The Dragons, and I've scrapped out three in a row. Well,
0: yeah, I could easily put Brisbane at eight.
1: The Warriors. I think the Roosters are going
0: better than Brisbane. Uh, the Brisbane are going better than the Roosters. They just beat Cronulla. Yeah, I'll, I'll throw Brisbane in at eight. Roosters are out for me.
1: Right. Well, I'm going to stick with those two more based, and like I said, I think they're better. and going to be better than those teams. But... Yeah,
0: we're talking about right now. Hmm. That's what power rankings are. I think Brisbane right now are playing better footy than the Roosters.
1: Uh, and that I should think,
0: be alarm bells for some Roosters fans. But that's my opinion. Again, I don't care what anyone else thinks. Yeah. These are my power rankings. My
1: power rankings for the team, play-play yep. team team.
0: Sorry, Roosters fans. I tipped you to win the comp. Now you're out of the eight.
1: And the last point I have there, and again, it's just just a small thing. And again, we talk about this sometimes, uh, you know, when you see people getting stuck in each other on well, the, the Twitterverse or even sometimes in discussion groups, this, that, and the other the people going after after this week, you weren't complaining last week when you won 3092. I know they got towed up, but he's not the sole reason that Paramount get belted. So for anyone that's got a fake account or you're one of these people that carried on, maybe you just calm down a little bit
0: and- Hey, I've got no problem with people saying stuff on social media. I've got zero zero problem with anyone saying anything on social media. But put your name to it. Yeah. Make sure people know who you are. And make sure it's man. something
1: that you would say to someone's face if you saw them in real life. I know the but it's platform. not real life. I know that's that. Social media isn't real life. That's what I'm not If you're on. going to shoot me out or carry on, you won the week well, before. That's what I'm And then about. understand the situation. Even one of the... I think it was Crawley or someone when I was coming over here tonight before I seen you or this on 360. Well, say, though, there's your biggest mistake. The I, rang Ray P- I rang Ray Price. I'm like, fuck, here we go. Ring Price and he'll fire up like he did a couple of years ago. Saying, but don't let me in the players... Well, it's because you're not a coach, Ray. I'm sorry. You're a great player. You won many premierships, this, out the other. But, you know, in terms of uh, that situation, good fun. But the reason why they didn't make a change, and we said it the other week, is they're literally out of outside backs. are other alternatives, and he's saying alternatives, and he didn't even know the players that were available, would have been to shift the back row there. So you would have had to have pushed Puppet Madison, Cartwright, or someone out to the centres. and Corre got injured, which filled that hole. check had a neck injury. Which fill that other hole, and all the other guys that are available outside backs are either got long term injuries or aren't available. Mm. The only other way around it is to ask for an exemption to get in one of their kids, like Komalafe, who's learning, and Loza, etc. Which clearly he didn't think's a good idea. I can understand from a coaching point of view when you're that desperate, the skill set, the way that Brown defends, and having to put somebody in there, which I said worked fine the week before against Newcastle. Clearly. Cowboys are a much better team, but watching that game, if your sole takeaway was this is Brad Arthurson playing at six is the reason we lost, that's not, not the case. Mm. I don't agree with him playing six. I We've said as much about carrying him as the utility in that in the bench. I don't agree with that either. But in terms of the situation they're in right now, they literally had no other one else they could have picked unless they, yeah, got they could have asked for an exemption. But clearly they're not rating the one or two options they have down there, which are wing options, not centre options. It doesn't matter. So, Still a better option than...
0: Moving. I just Probably thought... one of your best players in the key position.
1: But yeah, I, I.
0: the criticism was warranted, but was a criticism overboard and personal and pointed? Yes. Yeah. But that's what you get on social media. I know that. So don't be on social media if you don't like it. That's it. Don't, yeah, walk into or complain about places where, you know, you don't like behavior or you don't like things that go on. Then get off it.
1: Turn yeah, it off. particular, para like, You on. didn't look at anyone else in your team and the way they played and you blamed it all on one yeah, guy? Yeah. Like, but really? again,
0: like, do mm. you think Brad Arthur and Jacob Arthur and any of the power players are looking at the shit that's on social media? If they are, they're distracted. They shouldn't be looking at any of that. Should be worrying about getting better and playing good this week. That's their job.
1: Oh, there you go. That wraps up the set of six for this week. And we've given you the power rankings brought to you by the Penrith Solar Centre Tackle your rising bills head on this season with the help of Solar Energy. They're the best team to do it with. They help Western Sydney symbion their rising bills. Visit the website today, www.penrasolar.com.au or call one Let's jump into the reviews of the games from the weekend. Broncos, Sharks, this one uh, with a short turnaround, low on energy. I thought they lacked any patience. They shifted for the sake of shifting, which wasn't something... They were doing the weeks prior. They were kicking the front door in first before giving quality ball. Um, I just really thought in the end, it's the first time sort of seen that lack of patience, lack of discipline, and a step backwards defensively. They conceded eight line breaks. Their edge defense was passive. The one where Staggs literally basically got around the outside of their line. Nico Hines' poor hands effort and just slipping over for Catewell to score. Very underwhelming, um, but... Confident, it's it's not going to be the case going forward, obviously, but just a disappointing overall effort, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's about it. Brisbane were good, took yep. their chances. They're probably good for that middle thirty minutes of the game where they score the majority of their points.
1: And I think a good thing for Brisbane, um, the effort was there. I think it's all the little things like defensive scramble. You know, they ran hard. I think a lot of bit players or guys again that haven't been getting the plaudits had to step up, In particular with Haas getting injured. I know he played and still had. A reasonable impact, but he left the field. I think Catewell wasn't named this week, so he obviously got busted somewhere during the contest. But Reynolds kicked and controlled again. And then you have your guys, um, like your Jensens and your Kennedys, etc. last few weeks, guys he's brought in Palacira all year that just sort of do a job for you. But both their centres were quality, and um, I'm sure Fitzgibbon would have been most disappointed with that side of things defensively, to mm-hmm. concede those eight-line breaks and the way, how passive they were in conceding their tries and how easy they came about. Um, but... I think the other thing for that, like people hyped up the Talakai and Stag situation. I'm not making an excuse for Talakai there, but it was sort of talked about, not released by them and rightfully so because Fitzgibbon and the club wouldn't be that way about. But apparently he was under a cloud during the week and played under the weather. In terms of did he play bad, I don't think he played bad, but all his work was in yardage because they just weren't that good. So you didn't see the quality that you usually see when they do, as I said before, go through the middle and get him some early ball. Did Stag score that try and have a pretty good night? Yeah, he did. Mm -hmm. Um, But... Even that conversation being that that's the shoe in argument for the centre position if, say, Luttrell wasn't available, I still don't believe how people can not look at Crichton and the fact that that whole edge is basically going to be Penrith I think that would probably be more of a consideration than those, but I think Freddie was on the news the other night saying that Staggs is certainly in the box seat or looking like he's in contention, so who knows what way he's going to go.
0: So they put a pen through... Sure.
1: He'll take the shoes out and start earthing. I think more question marks are starting to come on the trail with the fact they've seen him over to USA for this 10-day radical rehab with some specialist about his hamstring. So, yeah. again, we'll it's, see what happens. But We're picking just a surprised time. with the talk about those two. Yeah, really a month away. Crimes Stoke gets injured. Sort of hasn't it's been injured. talked about, but, you know. Mm. Um, yeah, good win by Brisbane. Good response after... Couple of weeks there without some results, um, and yeah, like we said, a couple of those guys were pretty good for Cronulla. Just back to the prison this week. Get back to what you were doing. Knock in the front door first, and let your halves and fullbacks shift and play off the back of that. We've got a little bit too sideways and a little bit impatient, but more importantly, the D effort. Panthers Titans eighteen to four. Twelve errors. Fifty two. Miss tackles, not what you associate with Penrith, but I guess this is the point when you sort of get here as one of those teams that's at the top. You can have a bad week, you can have those sort of moments, but you find a way to win, and mm. that's what they did.
0: Well, yeah, it was an ugly game, mm. let's be honest. The Titans competed for a little while and, yeah, leaked in bunches and, yeah, I'm, like I'm happy they competed. Penrith certainly weren't at their best. It was, yeah. Kind of probably played with their food a little bit. I
1: think they clear got his. the result
0: in the end. right? Like they they weren't clinical, but they did enough. No,
1: nah, clear his kicking game. The difference, couple of dropouts out in a few of the tries short pass to kick out, got the ball back, scored one himself. So after you know a couple of quiet weeks, as you'd expect when you first come back in to work out the kinks, he's certainly been really really dominant yep. the last few weeks. And he stamp on the game. They had it, like I said ton of errors, mostly in yardage from their outside backs they'd be disappointed with. Edwards, who's been so solid and was good again the other night with his work and his carries, made a couple of errors, but when you're a good team and you have your down week, that's what we talked about a few years ago. The best teams, the difference when they're best and they're worst, they still find a way to win. Mm. Um, Then in this situation, the biggest issue, again, much like a Sharks thing, I think they'd be disappointed with is missing 52 tackles. That's not something you'd associate with Penrith. Mm. Um, But I think a better better overall from the Titans has been a few disappointing weeks, but I don't agree. I think he benched Fofita and started him off the bench and had comments after the game that I'd rather get a quality 60 rather than, you know, that 80 last week it was the centers. Like i I'm, I'm just a bit confused uh, as to what the plan is there and I don't like the way they're starting to use their bench. He put Proctor back in. He's got Tino playing huge minutes. He's got Mo playing huge minutes. He barely utilised the bench. It, it's like, well, if you're just going to burn out Mo, you're just going to burn out Tino. You're going to lean on those couple of guys and you're not getting support and then you've got your Marquee player going from the back row to the bench to their like I don't understand what they're doing.
0: Well, he's got a lot of players that aren't playing good.
1: And now he's lost a feeder because it looks like that injury is a four-week injury. So
0: Well, you're only one injury away from being a good team. I think it might actually make them better. So, so learn how to win and learn how to be disciplined and learn how to play hard and tough, disciplined footy and then get your Ferrari back and slot him into it. I think at the moment it's a little bit, well, you know, we've got all these guys, we've got a collection of talent but we've got no work ethic and no discipline mm, I think and Brimson. no defensive resolve. So, you know, again, they played their best game round one. They've played horrible ever since.
1: Yeah, I think it's come out now. I haven't seen Queensland Cup, but apparently Campbell, why he's been injured, has played Q Cup the last few weeks. So I don't understand that. Mm. I know they put Brimson back to one, and it was probably his better game this week. But that's, again, they made that decision to me when they got rid of Foggin in the off-season yeah. that that was their way forward. <laughs> and you've already quit on it. So well, now this you, is what you don't I have was saying,
0: this is why I didn't have him in my eight. Because mm. I knew there was just going to be some movements. And their play out of nine isn't good enough.
1: No, it's not. So I sort of look at this situation now again where you almost pushed Campbell out, who was good creatively for you at the back, and brought that extra thing. And you had Brimson up front for a few weeks, and he's not... You know, now looking too comfortable in that role and you've now got him back in the one situation. Like You've sort of now blocked the pathway for another, let the other one go, and you've got Sexton in. It. And his play's been up and down, obviously, but that's what happens when you commit to a rookie halfback. Mm. So you've got to live and die by that, but certainly um, some decisions that need to be made there by the Titans, that's for sure. But uh, overall, again, Tino always puts in a good captain's knock. Um, I think Marge Yu, most weeks, his work out of yardage. He's always very, very good. Yeah, they were in this one, but I think Penrith, obviously with those numbers we spoke about, certainly makes a difference. And for them, it's a bit of the same old. Nathan certainly get back uh, to some of his best. Dill was busy despite the errors. Fisher-Harris coming off uh, some off-season surgery. His minutes are getting bigger. His work right there. I mean, out had one of those games again where there's probably more some off, off-the-ball off stuff that I've been more impressed with that I'm starting to see him do that you haven't really seen the last couple of years. And they are the small differences when you're a coach and you look um, you know, So, not a great week, but I'm sure they'll be fired up for uh, the Battle of the West this week at home. I hope so. Is it 22 in a row if they win this week, I think.
0: Yeah, somewhere of that.
1: So, it's certainly going to yeah. be chaos at Penrith on Friday night. It will be, yeah. That's a <coughs> feel. Uh, South Manly, 40-22. to 22. I know, again, after a send-off, you basically almost concede that the result is only going to go one way, but... I think Demetrio pretty much summed it up himself, saw some good things with your attack, but again you'd expect to see some improvement when you're playing against twelve and work through some kinks, but disappointed overall with their defensive effort. Cause as soon as they went to the bin they conceded twice. Yeah. They were down ten zip and at half time, bar a try right on half time there, it was 18-6. six. You'd yeah. expect to really lay the boot into a team when they get under twelve for seventy minutes or, you know, at least cycle with them for 10-15 minutes, take some gas out of the tank and then really start laying the boot in, but they made this a lot harder than it needed to be. Uh, there was a good night for Cody Walker on his 150th. Bagged one, had a hand in a couple, and certainly, again, look like he's working through some kinks, some good moments and continued improvement from Ilias. Uh, you know, I've said it last week, I say it again, the two that impressed me every single week, and I think one of them again. I know it's a few weeks away, but with the way things are going, I think Tungi would certainly be someone I'd be looking at in origin stakes for New South Wales. Murray... Good again, and we know that moment. I don't think there's any argument about the result about it, but Cherry Evans, 33 career, 40-20s. I think I heard it when they said on the broadcast, the next closest was Cronk at 21. Mm. Kicked another one the other night. Kicking game uh, was outstanding. I think for Manly, you just got to take any positive you can. I think Foreign started the year really well, so this whole talk about Schuster's manager reminding the club that he's going to play six and him and... All that really surprises me. Like, Surely 12 more months playing back row wouldn't kill him. Mm. Um, he's also a big body. Is is it sustainable or is it the way forward for him to play six? I know you, you're going to need another six regardless because Fozzie's not going to be playing forever. But uh, I also think, again, Cooler missed some tackles, but with 12, you'd expect that. But I think they've got some energy, um, some physicality and some well-needed speed out of Tui Piloto and Cooler that they're lacking in their OBs. And the other positive, probably on that name I mentioned before, was Schuster's back and got a game under his belt. Yeah. This week, you get Tommy back. He won't be all guns blazing first up, I'd assume, but you've got him going again and you get Ola Kuatu back from suspension. So, some positives. You write this one off. There's a few injuries, Saab, Parker, etc. But I think getting those kids in, Kula, Tuipulotu, Schuster back, Tommy back, it, it might be a rough few weeks or there might be some ring rust. But from here, you want continued health. You want improvement from those young guys. You've got your back rowers back. You've got your one back. Now you just want to build some continuity. Yeah. Um, but this one, like I said, you pretty much leave in the rear vision mirror once that 12-man result comes up for South. I think Demetrio is handling things really well in terms, in particular, the way he handles the media. And I guess that's a benefit of being a long-term um, coach, uh, assistant coach, and having a good apprenticeship. He doesn't seem overwhelmed. No, he said not. we started one and three. We've had some injuries. We've got some new combinations. Now we're three and one and a field goal loss. Has it all been smooth sailing? No, but we're four and four. We're working through things and we're heading the right direction. So, yeah,
0: you
1: know, can't really argue with him there. Warriors, Raiders, 21-20. Again, Raiders, another lead, 20-12. No points in the second half and you lose to a team. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge
0: you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
1: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. That completed in the 50 percentile and made 18 errors. I know the Lodge moment was polarising for a lot of people. I'm sure you saw that. Um, You know, people are a bit flabbergasted that that's, you know, the way things go. But are we really surprised that a player laid down or took a dive? Or whether you agree, was that a penalty? Well, the game enables it, the game rewards it. So that's why they do it. Yeah, so a lot of people were in particular laying into him. Well, Well, of course. We've seen it in plenty of occasions. I know it helped the game get to the golden point situation. But again, Canberra in these situations just. Kill themselves to go in 2012 at half time, not score a second half point. Their errors directly contributed to a couple of the tries that the Warriors got. They're their own worst enemy at times. For um, the Warriors' situation again, multiple changes this week after some injuries and getting to drub by 70 to win the game in the way they did. Golden point, second field goal playing up at Red Glyph for Sean Johnson. Huge week for them. And then to have the situation, like I said, where you get someone like Arcee who you bring over for the rest of the season who has one training session coming in play, contribute well, they'd be very, very happy with the swing-in results after what happened last week. Yeah, definitely. Like the Canberra situation we obviously talked about. I think the big thing to come out of this for them is their most consistent and best player probably so far this year in Jack Whiten got himself caught up in a bit of a controversial tackle. I think he's got two weeks as a result. Wasn't a pretty tackle. No, and that's obviously going to hurt when you're already in a bit of a hole and he's someone you're leaning on. Um, I think they're going to be very, very basic in the way they want to play this week against the Bulldogs now that they've got Schneider and Frawley. You know what Frawley is. He's going to kick well, make his tackles, but he's certainly not a game-breaker. No,
0: he's
1: um, not. You've got Schneider, who again, so far has done his job, but yeah, I think it's going to be very, very reliant this week on exactly what I said before. Their veteran forward pack, those key guys being more disciplined, less errors, less penalties, control the ball, complete well, and just try and bash the shit out of the Bulldogs and win that way.
0: Essentially, Because you're yeah.
1: certainly not going to be getting, I think, a whole lot of creativity or buzz out of your spine um, when you've got those two guys playing your halves. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, for the Warriors, like I said, huge turnaround in such a short space of time. Interested to see this week against the Sharks, how they go. Um, I haven't seen the lineups yet. If Arcee has been named again, is the six? we obviously know Harris DeVita's going to miss some time with that ruptured testicle. What a tough bastard he is to play through that the week before. Hmm. We've heard a few of them. Who was the. Someone in the grand final did it in the Super League, didn't they? Yeah. Happened like. I think it was one of the forwards maybe for Warrington or someone a while back now. Played almost the whole game, caught one straight in the cage off the kickoff.
0: It's not what you need.
1: Nah, I think Harris DeVita copped it off his own teammate. I think Curran knee bombed him earlier in the game and he got all the way through it. But that, that's certainly something, full respect to you that's bad that's real bad tougher than me but yeah Canberra in Canberra against the Bulldogs let's see what happens this week shall we speaking of the dogs them against the Roosters this week 16-12 you know early on I think this pretty much sums up what you're saying about how poor the Roosters are I'm not taken away at all from the Bulldogs effort here but the short side try they conceded from Addo is the most unroosters like thing when we talked about defense and attitude that I've probably ever seen. Then the intercept to go down 12-6, and then obviously later in the game, um, you know they found another try to get themselves out to 16, but it's the same old, same old again. Their attack was clunky, it was average, they made 18 errors, they completed in the 60s. It's the same things we keep saying every single week. The halves <laughs> don't look like they're clicking when they need to be direct, they're sideways. Uh, when they probably need to go sideways, you know, they're running down a jam short side or they're finding the numbers. Every single thing to do with their attack, to me right now, is not working. The biggest thing that I want to see, which I still haven't seen, is they really need to straighten things up. They have not done that. Everything seems to be too Sword forced, yep. too set play. Roosters football in the past, and even now, I know the halves sort of pairings changed, and Kronk was talking about some stuff last night, I think I heard on there. But the basis has always been with that forward pack, kick in the front door, roll through there, play off the back of it, get Tedesco on the ball, and when things are going well there, then you've obviously got Manu, you've got Tedesco, you get those guys involved. Yeah. But at the moment, everything seems a little bit too set up, a little bit too forced, and very sideways. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, I think in this game, in all honesty, I didn't get to really watch a replay, but I remember watching it live while like cooking, but people were unhappy with the Crichton, potential knock-on a play before they scored off Tedesco I didn't quite see that but a lot of people thought that was a knock-on and they got to try off that some thought that was a bit of karma in the end there when they obviously scored and Swally's foot ended up being into touch mm. but yeah I mean, overall there's still the same question marks there I think we'll see with the team lineup later on if he stuck solid he seemed to have stuck solid most weeks so far but there's still a lot of cobwebs and things to work out for the Roosters that's for sure yeah, definitely. but for the Bulldogs as we said after a week with plenty of noise and a lot of tension around their club, losing Jackson after the COVID week, um, thought this was a good result for them. Fox, after a slow start, it's been good the last couple of weeks. I think Thompson, Vaughan, a few of those guys that are bigger names in their forward pack have been better. Burton kicked a 40-20 and, you know, Flanagan after, again, seemingly copping some heat. All those guys contributed. It was a good team effort and a good team win. So see if they can take some confidence out of that moving into their upcoming games. Canberra, Tigers, Dragons—they've got some guys more around the end of the table. They're at um, if they can go say two and two and get themselves a couple more wins. I'm sure that'll do the confidence a world of good for some of the players in that group. Yeah, agree. But leaving that one, Cowboys, Eels—this was the one I was most impressed with um, over the weekend. In- destroyed they destroyed them. They—I'm more impressed, like you said, and it's something that as a coach, forget the attack mm-hmm. and the late tries—that that's a reward for what they did in the first thirty minutes. They just absorbed their effort, their intent on their goal line, the way they scrambled, the way they shut things down. Anything Parramatta threw at them, they just ate it up. And then they were happy on their goal line. There wasn't hands on hips. There wasn't guys down. They stood back up again and said, yep, let's go again. And they just absorbed those repeat sets. They absorbed that pressure. They rucked their way out. They were disciplined when they were under fatigue. Chad Townsend couldn't have done better in the concept of just kicking... From that 40 or 50. That's what I
0: was talking about before. That's what some of these sides are
1: missing. Yeah, and putting you in a corner, and then that is just bash them in that sort of 10-meter corridor in the corner, working your way out, where you know first three plays, you're basically going to have some pretty simple one-out carries. Um, they controlled that all night. They completed it at 90%, and it's that balance we talked about last week. Now that they've got drink water in the mix at fullback, they've got a little more X factor for the fact that He is a ball player. He is a spark player. He can run. He probably has more strings to his bow than a Hamisa at this point in time. He's more that X-factor player, a moments player, a guy that pops around the ball and can just burn you completely. Mm. You've got Tommy Dearden freed up by the fact he's playing with Chad and someone to give him confidence and steer him. Scores another try there where he just backs himself running the football and doing the basics with that steering wheel there in Chad, who a lot of people, including myself, were surprised by the price tag. But when you're seeing the knock-on effect it's having to the group around you right now, If that's the way it continues forward for the rest of this season and onwards, you'd say it was worth every dollar. Mm -hmm. Tom Malolo's back to his best form. Well, it is
0: worth every dollar. It's worth what you pay You know, it's it's contextual to what that player gives your team. He might not be worth... He's not... The monetary value of each player
1: of one player is different to every team. Well, it's going back to what we talked about when Finucane left Melbourne. A lot of people were saying they're crazy to let him and Nicko go. They don't need probably the culture or that leadership that Cronulla clearly wanted and needed, hence the deal, length of the deal and the money that they paid for him. But then they bring in a Josh King for probably a fifth of the price, and look what he's doing right now for now. Yeah, They're go. getting what they need. Yeah. Cronulla, Fitzgibbon, McInnes, etc. he wanted to establish something, so he's taken that guy, and he probably means more to them at this point in time. Yeah. Same with Chad Townsend. You look at him at Cronulla, and we said it a couple of years ago, for all the flaws or all the guys out there that are on 800, 1000 someone like him on four or 500, who's a 7 out of 10 most weeks and does his job, as a coach that's something at times it's just a nice warm blanket every single week yeah. and when you go to a club like that that was looking for somebody clearly to steer around their spine and to be that leader and to take some pressure off and be a safety valve he's freed up all those guys around him and it's also had a good effect on a guy like robson whose job has been simplified and he probably doesn't have as much pressure to try and generate stuff out of dummy house or, or force the run and Ruben Cotter has really come on. A guy that, again, was more a nine coming through, now playing as a mobile middle forward. He's been outstanding. Yeah, he has been. Um, absolutely. But all around, like you said the other way, they're flush at the moment, confidence. Forward pack's playing well. Great young back rowers. All those guys in the spine are benefiting. I wasn't sure how he was going to use Hammer off the bench, but the way he got him on in the end and those couple of moments I had between him and Drinkwater when they scored three tries in the last six minutes, that was really, like I said, just points for what they did earlier in that period where they just absorbed, absorbed, absorbed and you'd think Parramatta are putting credits in the bank there or taking gas out but hmm. yeah, well, they the Cowboys defensive resilience um, overall their kicking game their control and their discipline mint and they've got attack and they've got you know multiple ways they can play Yeah. so really big fan of what I'm saying from the Cowboys for Parramatta you're obviously awfully disappointed but again it's those bigger names with all those opportunities 40 tackles early Inside 20, you'd expect a bit more from your Guthersons, your etc. And you make that shuffle, sure, to get Arthur in there. And I know you got Brown out in the centres, but you've got enough in your spine. You've got representative guys in your forward pack who I thought didn't have their best nights. Um, I don't, don't know, again, like we said last week, talking about it, travel or did they underestimate them a little bit or think it was one of these games that they'd sort of just be able to roll through. But they were overall underwhelming. Um, Very much so. I think one guy who had a pretty good night, Pennicini, got plenty of early ball and racked up some meters and had some love down there, but they handled him while they conceded meters. They obviously always had numbers there. They cleaned it up. Um yeah. It's a bit of a, a bit of a slap for because I think there's that loss. Now they had the close one against the Sharks. Um and there was one other one I can't think of the top made now. So five and three heading to a Penrith game here. they'd probably be <laughs> liking to have, you know, Maybe only had two or one losses at this point in time, considering the way they started. I know the outside back injuries certainly hurt, but um, yeah, they certainly weren't expecting what they got on the weekend, that's for sure. Absolutely not. The Cowboys absolutely lit their ass on fire. Uh, storm Newcastle, this doesn't really need a whole lot of explanation.
0: It was a bash-up. It was fifty-two. Melbourne just played with them, like they were a little toy mouse. They kicked out on the fourth fucking kickoff. Well, like the worst
1: just... part is, and I was about to say that, the highlight of this game, really, if you want to know how Newcastle went, they kicked out on the full to start the game and then in the second half Melbourne kicked like 20 metres short there was three guys around it and it got to run for 20 metres before it went dead so they yeah. started both halves with a dropout and a penalty it's horrible they were horrendous and the way that Olam got to score the amount of grabbing and like, he, like they just looked devoid of effort energy anything uh, I felt bad for someone like Clifford, when things are going well and he's on the front foot, like clearly a confidence player, it's a hard situation to bear him on your half. I felt bad for Clune. He tried hard. He got caught with the ball a couple of times there, which is a halves nightmare when you're a small bloke. You're not only getting bashed and they're running at you, and apparently he's got a bad knee or hamstring at the moment and a hand injury, so he's playing busted already for his team. But when you get the ball on the outline line and you look outside, you and three guys that are supposed to be your options are five ten meters behind you and you've got no one to pass to and you're getting melted by four defenders. As a half, that's not good. It's not fun. Yeah, um, and it really speaks volumes is where they're at right now. And again, I know the whole situation of like Ponga and Atard in a team like that, this, that, and the other, but you know that and the way he spoke post game, all that, it's probably a little bit over inflated. But I, like, yeah, I was a bit pretty disappointed with the way that all kind of went down. Yeah, but they've got some serious thinking to do. You get beat thirty nine to two. You get beaten 50-2. The last two weeks have been absolutely dreadful. You've had zero, zero effort and energy. Um, and then you got injuries out of the game and a huge reshuffle this week where he's called the early press conference today. He's got new halves, Tex Hoy and Phoenix Crossland to head up to North Queensland at North Queensland, which is not a great place to be going to play in the form they're in right now. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: People are asking, oh, is this going to be a late switcheroo to get... Pong are in the halves. Are they trying to hide it? Is that a way to do it? The name Texoy at 6 and in the game, maybe we don't realise, but he's up in the front line. I don't know what they do, but I dare say right now, I don't care if Pong is in the halves or at fullback. If they're playing the way they're playing, they still get lit up. And if the Cowboys playing like they do last week, they're in for another hurting, if that's what they turn up like. And I don't know yeah. what they do to turn around because your basics is what we spoke about just before, which we saw in the first few rounds. Whether you don't like their roster or not, and sometimes we've sent it from the dogs and a couple of these teams at the bottom end or Brisbane having a couple of bad weeks if you're effort you're intent your energy's there you can at least keep yourself in a game Yeah, you won't get beat by 40 or 50 when you're getting town up like that every week and not scoring a single point there's clearly other stuff going on 100% um, for Melbourne what else do you say you has scored 120 points in two weeks I think the best thing about Melbourne is they They're can, on fire, but they've played two rubbish teams. Yeah, 100%. But I think the best thing you can sort of see about Melbourne is similar to what we said before, say like a team like the Cowboys or a bit like Penrith. They can play different styles of football. Mm. And with the spine they've got at the moment, they can get the football edge to edge, both ways, anywhere they want at any point in time. And yeah. all three guys can play first receiver. And then when you get through the middle... Harry can straighten things up. So they can play sideline to sideline quick. They can get back-to-back plays in. They can play direct. They can roll through your middle. And I think my favorite part with the injuries they've had earlier to do with the year and a couple of forced debutantes is we've already rolled multiple players through our I bench. Bit. Yeah. So Moreau got a couple of games. I think he might have got injured on the weekend. Liero's got some good minutes and done well. McDonald got a debut and got to play four or five games. Like We've already rolled some people through that come origin time will come the possibility of an injury or a call on someone to do a job, they're going to have had games under their belt. Yeah. So I mean, everything's quite positive at the moment on, on their side of things. And how do you feel if you save your coach from what you've been through the last few years and you've scored seven tries feeling in two weeks? Happy.
0: Feeling pretty good about You're feeling life. Feeling very very good against
1: seven in two weeks. Yeah. Um, feeling pretty yeah. damn good about life. And the last game we got here, Dragons Tigers, it was ugly, but I think it was a very very gritty win for the Dragons. Um,
0: yeah, it was gritty. It was it was very gritty. It was an ugly game.
1: Yeah, I actually so, quite enjoyed it. Like, I know it wasn't pretty, but it was, it was a very, a I, I, I enjoyed it. very good arm wrestle. I thought Madge pretty much summed it up that you know just couldn't take advantage of some of those key moments, and especially that last sort of 15-20. They had some good ball opportunities, and the Dragons just kept turning up and turning yeah. them away. And there was you know some small moments of lack of execution, but you can't say the Tigers didn't try. Their halves both ran for one hundred and fifty plus meters. Plenty of tackle breaks, line breaks between them. I think their forward pack certainly stepped up, like we said, and all those little free things that we weren't seeing, similar what we talked about about Newcastle. Yeah. When you've got Tarmao, Zane, a of Hengare, these sort of guys actually laying a platform, Twa working his absolute backshot off and getting forward, and now you've got a controlling seven to kind of free up those other players and let Brooks run and pick and choose his moments. They look a hell of a lot better. So if, if they maintain that effort despite the result there, they are going to win some games, or they're going to be in a lot of games. But for the Dragons, cannot heap any more praise on Ben Hunt than I have the last couple of weeks than, again, what he did the other day. yeah, The way he played, kicking in control on that run, also very happy to finally see Sullivan in the side. I know it was as a nine and a result of a head knock to get him on the field and get him in those extra minutes, but he made an impact on the game as well. Um, that was just gritty, real gritty. 45% possession, attacked constantly, conceded line breaks, conceded tackles, but I think probably the biggest one uh, when you look at that sort of situation again, is 56 misses, but we've spoke about this before in terms of ineffectives or scramble efforts. That's not always indicative of the scoreboard. They only concede six points. So that 56 misses tells you that they worked their asses off. Absolutely. Regardless of tackle breaks, line breaks, scrambles, busted rucks, second phase, they may be considered missed tackles, but there's only six points on the board, which tells you they were working themselves to the bone to stop points. Yeah. So I did the
0: week before as well.
1: If you hook, I know the attack's certainly not firing, but if that's your base, um, you're certainly not getting yourself again. I think as a finals contender, a big threat for the title, but if you got that every week, you've got something. So Oof. now if you can find a way to get Sullivan in and make some slight changes, or if Sloane comes back in later the year, and you can get a bit more on the attacking side of the ball, if that's your core and that's your base, that's an outstanding place to be. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. That wraps up uh, the games from the week, and now we jump into the previews of round nine and our tips and some odds brought to you by bluebet.com.au. There is no one better than the true blue bookie. Download the app today or visit the website www.bluebet.com.au. And on all NRL games this week, if you back a team head-to-head and they lead by six points or more at halftime, Bluebet will pay you out as a winner up to $100 winnings Lead by six at half time. You win. Terms and conditions apply. Gamble responsibly. Bluebet.com.au. Visit the website today or download the app in the Google Play Store or Apple Store. Charity bet, unfortunately, a loss. So the balance still sits at $322.50. But fingers crossed we can get back on the winner's circle this weekend. Uh, in terms of last week, it was a hard week. You only got three, I got five. The two different were the two upsets. I had the Cowboys and I had the Warriors. Mm. So the Warriors game obviously could have gone either way. But, yeah, the Cowboys one certainly surprised some people. Um, But everyone lost some points with some favourites they tipped. No one would have tipped the Bulldogs, or a lot of people didn't tip the Bulldogs. Uh, What was the other one that happened? No one would have tipped Brisbane. We certainly didn't. And I think we were both on the Tigers, but that was a 50-50 game and we both missed that one. So, yeah. Totals now, um, I've gone in the lead for the first time this year on 42, you're on 41, so still very tight, and now we move on and have a look at the odds for this week, and what we've got, and the games we've got in the team list, like I spoke about earlier, so first up, Rabido's Broncos, Thursday night, looking for uh, a bounce back from the round run result, and Adam Reynolds is actually playing this game, he missed round one. Due to COVID, but for South, Liam Knight returns on the bench. David Mwale goes to the reserves. Shekai Mitchell, after debuting last week, which was a great moment for him, Luttrell, <clears throat> and their family, um, he's out of the side altogether. And Isaiah Tass, who Demetrio gave some praise to in the post game, holds his spot despite the return of Tane Milan, who was obviously suspended last week, and for Brisbane, it's a double blow, and it's a big blow, Payne Haas is out with that shoulder injury that he's had the last few weeks, and Kurt Catewell is going to miss with injury as well, so TC Rabati comes into the back row uh, to join Ricky and another boost, at least they get Carrigan back from that knee injury to replace uh, Payne Haas, Turpin in the reserves, possible return there, but after what they've done the last few weeks, you think they'd stick with that duel, and like I said, Adam Reynolds, who missed that win in round one, plays this time around against these old clubs. So uh, I think the key here is if Haas and Capewell are out, you've got to lean towards South. Yeah,
0: I'd be leaning towards South anyway.
1: core. Yeah, I would yeah. be as well. But they're, they're two big blows. Um, and you look at the way they've slowly sort of been building. In my head, I think Kalama Taney's on the right. I think Ricky plays right. So that'd be Rabadi on that other edge. Uh, I think... That's sort of a spot you'll definitely think they'll run some traffic and he'll be getting at Reynolds as well. So I think that's a spot I'd definitely be looking at. Um, you've got a good matchup in the centres. Campbell Graham's obviously been playing some good attacking foot. he got some things to still work on defensively. Uh, there's no doubt about that, but he'll be up against Stags. Actually, no, he's on the right. Who's there left? There left's Herbie. So Herbie up against Campbell Graham. Good matchup. And Reynolds up against his old club, you'd be thinking he'd be looking to get one up. But yeah, two big outs, obviously. So both on South City. And the odds with this one, with bluebet.com.au, South heavy favorites at $1.24, $4 for the Broncos, 12 and a half a line. $1 to 12, 305 South, $5.50 for the Broncos, $13 plus South, $1.87, $13 for the Broncos. The early Friday night game, is Canberra, at Canberra, up against the Bulldogs. And as we said earlier, a swag of changes for the Raiders after a five-game losing streak. Jared Croker plays his first NRL game of the season. Semi Valamé is out of the centres. Chance stuka comes back in to the one jersey. Jordan Rapana goes back to the wing and Xavier Savage is out and into the reserves. Jack Whiten, as I said, has the two-match ban. Matt Frawley goes into the halves with Elliot... Uh, sorry, Young Schneider... Elliot Whitehead's back after missing a fortnight with that facial cut. Adam Elliot stays in the starting hooker spot, uh, which was interesting last week. And Sebastian Chris is a new man on the bench. So hefty changes there. For the Bulldogs after that win, Josh Jackson returns to lock. Max King goes back to the bench. And Billy Sikiris is out of the 17 and suspended anyway. Brent Nain's also back on the right wing. Ockenborgs out of the side. And the likes of Wakeham, Patola, Reese Hoffman join the reserves list. This is probably a tough one to pick this week. And I think it might be Old Boys Day in Canberra. Yeah, in I'll, be going,
0: I'll be going on
1: Canberra, but.
0: Yeah, I'd, good luck. Yeah. Home, home field. I just If it's a 50 game, I'll go home field. That's it. That's my only reasoning. No idea.
1: Well, they've certainly got the forward pack. Like I said, I just more so, can they be disciplined enough and put together 60 or 70 minutes? Because the Bulldogs certainly are a similar deal at the moment. Patches and their performances and got a good forward pack themselves. But um, in terms of spine matchup, this my maybe one of the rare weeks where with the players that they've got missing, you'd potentially say they're even the spine or close to better. Um, so it's a very interesting matchup, that's for sure. Jared Croco running around New South Wales Cup. A lot of people have been calling for him, watching him. He's been okay, but he's obviously now got a chronic knee injury. So I don't think he's ever going to quite be the player he was. Um, but can he inspire something? Do they need a bit more leadership on the field? Can he be a difference? Can Charles Nicola start after spending a couple of weeks on the bench, put in a performance that you know inspires something? I don't really know. Um, it's a hard one for me, but with Old Boys Day, the excitement... And seeing a lot of the players retweet the croaks back in and a little bit going around. Um, this is sort of the time where Ricky likes to circle the wagons, but I have zero confidence I will not be betting on this game. But home field and those few things, like I said, I'll give Canberra a nod, but it wouldn't surprise me if the Bulldogs won, yeah, at all. Not at all. Uh, and the odds reflect that. I think they started as a picking with bluebet.com.au. it's now the Raiders' slight favorites. At $1.76, the Bulldogs $2.05 minus 2.5 the line. 1-12, 3.15 Raiders, 3.25 the Dogs. 3.80 is 13-plus for the Raiders, 4.65 for the Dogs. Panthers-Eels, the blockbuster battle of the West Friday night at Blue Bet Stadium in Penrith. Looking pretty good for the Panthers in this circumstance in terms of that same 17, which has obviously been winning. But Brian Toto is very close to return. He's named in the reserves, as is Moses Leota. So if that was to be the case, you'd think it'd either come down to Staines or May. At this point in time, I'd be getting uh, rid of Staines and clearly keeping May for what he's contributed. Not only his finishing, but his yardage work's outstanding. Um, and then if you get Leota back, you'd lose one off your bench. So uh, you'd think, naturally, Sorensen is going to stay. So it would come down to Len Yu or Semon. Does he want that option of a guy that can play back, row, middle, centre and cover a few positions or is he going to go all big body and have Sorensen to sort of cover edge middle? Uh, Or would he drop Luke altogether and play Arpy for 80, which they seem like they haven't done, you know, for probably the last sort of back end of last season and start of this year, whether it was Kenny or Luke who they've now got there. So good situation for Penrith. For Parramatta, they're able to fix their back line issue that a lot of people... We're aggrieved about. Tom Opochek returns from that neck injury, so naturally he goes back to the centres, puts Dylan Brown back to his natural position and puts that harvest pairing back together, and Arthur is into the reserves. And Sean Russell, after that horrible injury in round one, finds himself in the reserves, so he must be very close to a return. You'd think a game of this magnitude after a severe injury like that, you'd rather give him a week or two playing cup, wouldn't you? Yeah. Surely this is not the game where you throw him back into the fire. I certainly wouldn't be. Um, and I think the bench looks a lot better that way as well. Without after there, he's got Madison, who's been outstanding off the bench. I think the last few weeks, McIntyre, Oregon, Kufusi, and Cartwright. And I think you're going to need those big bodies to try and bust up a team like Penrith. Yeah, you're not going to be able to uh, just try and rely on your two starters and get through that way. You need extra bodies, I think, to keep trying to attack them because they're certainly going to be an 80 minute job. But after the last week, can you see the Eels getting up for this contest, or you think Penrith?
0: I think Penith will destroy him. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, based on what the Eels dished up last week, how do you have any faith?
1: Yeah, I'm not arguing with you, but like, you, th- you think this could get I ugly? We
0: move like if, if Moses actually moves back to six...
1: Brown is back at six.
0: Uh, sorry, Brown. Uh, Moses Brown, yeah. Well, hopefully, that's actually what runs out onto the field. We know what's named and what actually runs out of two different things, so... Hopefully that's that's what runs out because i will be more competitive than what it would be with what they ran out against with against the Cowboys on the weekend. Mm. But big crowd, Penrith don't lose at home. Until they lose at home, I'll tip against them. But it won't be this week.
1: Yeah, and again, they'll certainly be up for it, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, these games generally, though, form hasn't mattered. The last few times it's been, you know, Parramatta's not going good or Penrith's been winning these games. We had that ugly, ugly game. Was it during COVID when it was... I think a penalty goal was the difference. Mm. And Moses had a chance to equalise it and couldn't hit it. And we had the finals game last year, which is obviously a very, very tight contest. So generally when these two get together, it is a close game. But certainly a bit of a shock last week. You think Parramatta would want to turn up this week because otherwise it could get real ugly in front of a hostile crowd. But the odds with bluebet.com.au, twenty favourite the Panthers, Parramatta 4-15 outsiders. So if you do think it's going to be close, the start... Might be an option for you Parramatta fans, plus 13.5. 1-12 to 12 Panthers, 340, 510 for the Eels, 13 plus $1.79, $15 for the Eels in that one. Manly, with some players back on deck, but obviously a few out as we spoke about. Return to Brookvale, or four points pack, against the Tigers, who they've had the wood on in recent times, and a bit of a boost at the same time as players in, players out. They get Tom Trevojevic back at fullback. Ola Kowatu back uh, from suspension. And again, like I said, another week under the belt of Schuster. But a reshuffle after losing Parker and Saab from last week. Ben Trevojevic gets an opportunity to start in the centers. And Rubik Garrick goes back to the wing. And he's got Kula still in the center and two below too on the wing. Um, and then Josh Alaya is listed to return on the bench after being included last week uh, <clears throat> and that shoulder issue. But for the Tigers, Luciano Leilua, a big out with a hamstring, and David Nofaluma with a concussion. So that hurts. Alex Safar and Ken Marmolo come into the starting side. Jake Simpkin returns at hooker. Little goes to 18th man. Yutukumanu returns after overcoming his knee injury off the bench. And Peachy is back on the bench at the expense of Jock Madden. So some false changes and then some other changes um, I, I know it's been a, a couple of positive weeks but I think Manly will really be buoyed returning back to Brookie after the resilience they showed last week getting Ola Kawatu back along with Schuster you got your back rowers your halves have been in pretty good form those young outside backs are starting to do a job interested to see defensively again um, if they would have played a different side this week that might have been an area you'd target but Gildart and Garner in the centres up against Triple Eight and Cooler. I don't think I'm having sleepless nights no. as compared to if they're coming up against say a Joey Marnie or a Justin Olam or someone like that up against those kids. So probably not as bad a week to be having that matchup. Mm. But certainly, uh, you know, Lucci and Offalum in their yardage—that they're big losses. Huge. So yeah, and another hooker change. They can't quite settle on that. They've sort of gone little Simpkin back and forth this year. I think they'd probably be better off just carrying both, in my opinion, but you know, Peachy there suggests that he might get some minutes there. I don't like that at all. I really don't. So, I'm on Manly here. Me too. Uh, Don't know if it could blow out. I'd be disappointed after the effort the Tigers have given the last few weeks. But things click into gear, and it's a nice sunny day on a Saturday there with the punters sucking back some beers at Brookvale. They do get their tails up when they go home. So the odds reflect that with bluebet.com.au $1.18 for Manly the Tigers $4.90, minus 14.5 is the line, 1-12 $3.25 for the Eagles, $6 for Tigers, $13 seventy one for the Eagles, $19 for the Tigers the Roosters in poor form up, up against your Titans who are definitely after a win as well uh, and basically they've stuck solid for the most part but The force change, obviously, last week with Daniel Tupou suspended. He returns. And Momorowski, he pulled out last week. Sick. He returns. So Kevin Aguama and Adam Kieran are out of the side. And Billy Smith is near a comeback after a foot issue. He's on the extended bench. So only those two changes. Everything else, pretty much the same. And for the Titans, obviously, we know Fafita's going to be out for a month of that knee. Sam McIntyre comes into the squad. Kevin Proctor moves in the starting back row with both for more. Phil Sammi. Jermaine Azarka and Jaden Campbell are all in the reserves. So we'll have to wait and see if they make a late change there and move Will Smith or Brimson from one and what happens in that sort of shuffle. What would you do? Would you have Campbell back in and get Brimson back on the halves? Like The spine is a bit of a conundrum right now.
0: I think Campbell's a good player. But I, this is what I said. I will never let Fogarty go.
1: That's, yeah. Well, it's a heavy load on a kid, isn't it? Brimson,
0: this is the whole thing, how everyone goes, oh, you know, and Brimson played six in the juniors. He doesn't look like an NRL six at all. So you can tell me what position he played during the juniors, I don't care. In the end, he looks best at one, he looks to play his best and does play his best at fullback. Now you're in a position where you've got two good fullbacks. So I, I believe you need to put probably put Campbell on the bench and use him that way, but then again, you got you got Boyd there, and you got Clark who really struggles to get through eighty. So that's another problem you've got because if you if you add another outside back plus a hooker, you can only really carry two middles. And now you get an injury to a middle, you're short. They're not fit enough anyway. No, now they got- they're, they're in a real hard position. You got to leave one of your best players out. One of your probably one of your certainly one of your two of your best thirteen players. You need to leave in Queensland Cup.
1: Yeah, and he's got Tanner Boyd cool. in obviously now to cover for that nine deficit. And he can man. cover halves yeah. as well. He was originally a half coming through, but you know, I think most halves look pretty good when you've got David Feeder outside you for your whole junior career. Not saying that's the sole reason why, but that certainly helps on your pathway through. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm a bit like you. I, th- I think Campbell needs to be in their team. I think Campbell offers an X factor and some creativity, and he's certainly got no fear for his size, but. If we went the opposite way and thought, well, we can get him on the ball at six, obviously defensively, if he's in the front line, I'd have huge consent. Mm. And that's your main issue there. Whereas someone like Will Smith, you know he's a small body, but he's a veteran. He'd come through Newcastle playing in that position before playing multiple positions, whether it be fullback. Hooker, also, that utility sort of role. But defensively, he's more likely to hold his own than Campbell in the front line. Mm. Um, and then like you said, still got those question marks over United situation. situation. So. Uh, the other one's probably Proctor. I think Proctor and transition him into the role they did this year, I didn't have a problem with, but playing 80 minutes back in the back row where he's at at this point in time and his mobility, for more is your left edge, isn't he? So he's up against the Tilly, so it's Crichton up against Proctor. That's certainly something I'd be looking to at if you got space for the play early. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, Going to tip the Roosters. Again, I've tipped the Roosters a lot of the weeks waiting for something to happen, but... Yeah, I'll tip Roosters because I'm just not tipping... They're, they're persisting. He hasn't really changed the forward pack. He hasn't really changed anything in that term. Like we said, to try and get more right out of the bench or get a little bit more roll on. He's really stuck solid. So, um, yeah, we'll go with the Roosters, Titans, see what happens. Um, and with bluebet.com.au. It's not at the SCG that game either, is it? Uh, they're the home side, aren't they? Where are they? It's in Mackay. There you yeah. go. So, taking that one away to BB Prince Stadium. Roosters with bluebet.com.au, $1.31 dollar thirty one favorite 345 for the Titans. Nine and a half is the line. 1-12 to 12 Roosters, 295 dollars seventy for the Titans. 13 plus 221 for the Roosters. $10 for the Titans. Cowboys Knights. Uh, I don't think we're surprised at all. I'm expecting no changes here. And they've made an unchanged lineup. Jamiso still on the bench as well in that substitute role. Cotter and Tommy Gilbert started against the Eels and in line to do so again. They're at home, uh, which is obviously a big thing. And I said earlier in the year this young team, the main thing for them, I guess, and having a good year would be winning those home games. But now they've obviously gone on the road and done well as well. Huge opportunity here. And for the Knights, Adam O'Brien, like I said, got on the front foot today, but huge changes. Hoy comes in to replace Clifford. Um... Uh, You've got Phoenix Crossland coming in to replace Clune, who's got a couple of injury issues. Fitzgibbon returns in the back row, and Dom Young returns on the wing. Simi Sasagi goes out. Brody Jones uh, is out as well. Kurt Mann, ankle, he remains on the sidelines. later. Thompson's pushed in to start the lock. And the new faces on the bench are Sami Solo and Matt Croker. So, hefty turnover. And then, even in their, their reserve reserves, when you look at those names, they've basically picked everyone that was. In New South Wales Cup last week, they're not even guys that are really top squad or around the top squad for the time being,
0: mm.
1: which shows the injuries and things out of form. So, Sasagi's 18th man, Chris up up a Lange, Purcell, Braden Musgrave, Dylan Pithin, Kate Rogers, bentalty like these guys are cup players. Yep. So, big turnover, I think uh, an opportunity for an absolute demolition for the Cowboys here. Yeah, Because they're running red hot and I'm Sure, like I said, he's looking for a response and he's looking to flip things. And I don't care if this, like they said, is a way to sneak Ponga into the halves and get Hoy at fullback or cross on the half. I don't care who's there at the moment. Things just aren't looking good. I think they might actually score a try this week, but I still think they might concede another eight or nine again. So Yeah, I'll be tipping the Yeah, promise. if the Cowboys do what they did against Parramatta, that same style of play with the resilience right now of a wet paper bag that the Knights have been shown, it could be an absolute hurting and the odds reflect that with bluebet.com.au with both of us tipping the Cowboys, who are $1.15 favourite. The Knights, $5.40 outsiders. Minus 15 and a half the line. 1 to 12 Cowboys, $3.25, $7 for the Knights. 13 plus Cowboys, $1.64, $19 for the Knights. Storm Dragons, um, after three in a row, they run into their toughest test on the back of the resilience that they've shown, and it's down in Melbourne, Sunday afternoon. For the Storm, uh, I think, in terms of changes here. Maroa, six weeks out. He literally played three minutes last week, scored a try, his first touch on the field, and then was gone. So, interesting outing for him, but disappointing after getting some game time in, building nicely. Jordan Grant comes in to replace him. Dean Aramaya's in the reserve after come back from injury, and there's no other changes, and Kenny Bromwich's 200th game at Melbourne. That's very dangerous milestone game in Melbourne. Yeah. For the Dragons, Bird's been named again, despite last week. First, they were talking about his knee or a potentially fractured forearm. He was named all week and then pulled late. He's named again this week, so I don't know what's going on there. They still haven't really clarified the severity or if he is badly injured. So that would mean Amone would go back to the bench and Sullivan is pushed out to 18th man after scoring, obviously, the match winner last week. So Potentially a late change, I think, there. But after three... Weeks, I think they might show some resilience early on, but if Melbourne keep doing what they have been doing, I'm sure they'll wear them down. Yeah, uh, I don't know if I'd expect a, a 70 or a 50 bop, but I definitely think this is a, a hill too far to climb at this point in time for the Dragons. And going there, if it's a sunny day, two o'clock in the afternoon for a milestone game, that's never a good time. Good luck. So, we're both on the storm in this situation, and it's reflected heavily again in the odds of bluebet.com.au a dollar oh five. Ah, the Storm. Bank interest. $10 for the Dragons. So if you think they're going to put up a fight, you get 22 and a half start. So that's pretty hefty. 1 to 12, 380 for the Storm. $13 for the Dragons. 13 plus for the Storm, dollar $51 for the Dragons. And the last game is the Sharks back at the prison up against the Warriors um, after a disappointing performance last week. And Finucane comes back after having a couple of weeks off with that head knock. McInnes goes back to the bench. Braden Trindle gets pushed to 18th man. Aiden Tolman is listed to start, but he swapped with Hunt last week, so that may happen again. Wade Graham is named on the bench for his second appearance. Uh, 23 minutes last week, he definitely looked underdone after basically playing no football last year. Yeah. They need to make a decision on that soon, though. Like, I don't think you can just be carrying an extra back. Like, he's either getting to the point where he's... Playing starting minutes again and replacing Wilton or replacing an which won't be the case. It'll be Wilton if anyone. But if those guys are young, mobile, got the legs under and playing better football, he's either going to be considered a bench option or he have to go down. It's cut. Like I know it's a huge call, but him and Fafita are those guys at the moment, like we spoke about, on huge money, back end of their deals. Fafita's got a chronic knee injury. Way Graham's had plenty of head knocks and some injuries the last couple of years. It's a big decision coming up huge. Um, for the Sharks and over those two guys' futures. So, yeah. Ikevalu and Connor Tracy are back fit and included the reserves after some injuries. So there's at least some positives, some more bodies available. And for the Warriors, uh, a good sight for them. Dallin returns after that nasty concussion on Anzac Day. Jesse Arthurs is out. So Rocco Berry comes in and Viliami Valaya moves into the centres. Bailey Siren moves to eighteenth man, replaced by Alessia Katoa in the back row, and Aaron Penner returns from his one match suspension. So, after a disappointing effort again Sunday, I have a footy at the prison. It's a hard place to play. I think yeah. uh, pris, pris, pris. The Sharks will put a good. Oh, sorry, the Warriors hopefully give a good count of themselves, but you'd expect a response at the prison. Yeah, surely, definitely. Um, and a better effort in terms of. Get Definitely. through that middle third. Buzz will be there, mate, in the corporate you'd expect. Mm. He said the other week, when I went in the box, the food was disappointing, so I let measure Tester know and there was much better food the next week. That's right. And then they were all wrapping Penrith. They go, have been to Penrith this year, they've got KFC. I was like, yes, Buzz, talk about the dirty bird. All about that life. Love a bit of that. Oh, yes. Got The Sharks' heavy favourites with bluebet.com.au as well. $1.20, $4.50 for the Warriors. Some big starts this week. 13 dollars for the Warriors in the start. One 3 $3.45 the Sharks. $5.15 the Warriors. $13.00 plus, $1.79 for the Sharks. And $15 for the Warriors. So this week, we've tipped an identical round. There you go. And if you go off the odds on what we've established after eight games, the bookies are certainly starting to find a bit of a gap now after some inconsistent results. But, yeah, the closest game mm-hmm. Here is the Raiders Bulldogs who are, you know, obviously sitting <laughs> good down. Reason. The bottom equal last with two wins each, along with the Newcastle Knights. Mm. So no surprise there. That's the closest odds you'll find. But almost everything else is out to four bucks. And there's a couple. one at five with the Knights. Then you've got the ten dollar price on the Dragons. Um, yeah, and there's one at three dollars being the Titans. But everyone else is four dollars plus. So big odds this round. Let's see if we can find a couple of upsets like last round, but I'm, given the matchups we've got, I'm finding it hard to see. Yeah. So. There'll probably be one. There usually is one, but yeah. I like think, picking it. Man. Things are starting to happen, man. It's starting to open up a little bit. But uh, I guess, you know, we'll see in the end. But a big thanks, as always, to bluebet.com.au for supporting our charity account. So, bet with a book here that backs us and backs our charity. Visit the website today, bluebet.com.au, or download the app on the Google Play Store or on your Apple phone, mate. Mm. But there you go. There's another week wrapped up. Uh, in terms of hijacking this weekend, we might try and get a game on. Yeah, well, we will. because no We food. missed last weekend with footy and there was a fair bit going on. There was a lot going on. Um, so hopefully we'll be able to get something in and we'll give a bit more notice. Hopefully this week we'll have a look. Friday won't be happening. Because of training and we're going to go to the Penrith game. Well, we've got
0: no training. Oh, I'm, we're I'm going gonna, to the Penrith game. I'm going go to
1: go there early and sink Skunamis. Yeah, well, if we're at the Penrith game, we're going to miss both. We'll, we'll be watching the first game, but we won't be at home to be able to commentate it. So, Correct. right Friday off, we'll see what we can do for Saturday and Sunday. Yep. But that is most likely our candidates. We got 10... Sunday
0: we'll be off, it's Mother's Day, mate. I will oh, not there you be, go. I will not be calling games on Mother's Day. Yeah, all right. Especially when I'm calling them for free. You kiss my ass, or right. like
1: so we'll have to try for Saturday. Yeah. There we go. But again, like we said the other week, if you want to get on board with that and have a listen to us, have a beer, listen along to a game, hijack.tv. Get that one on the Apple Play Store. Uh, sorry, Apple Store or Google Play Store as well. hijack dot Thanks to Penrith Solar Center. Thanks to bluebet.com.au. and thanks to all of you lovely people out there who listen to the pod. I haven't said it this year, but Rate us, review us on iTunes. I don't think I've seen any new ones for this year so far. There's a fair few on there, obviously, over the years, but if you haven't done so yet, if you're one of those long-term listeners who hasn't taken the time, just take a few seconds. That's all. Crank the star rating, give a positive comment, or if you don't like it, give a negative comment. Better yet, send us an inbox. Always happy for feedback, as we say. We'll get back to you. We'll read it. We'll listen. Mm. It's all good. But for now, enjoy your week. And enjoy your rugby life.
0: Bring it on. Give us small. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it?